What up, people? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for October 22nd, 2020. And tonight, get ready. It's the, what should have been third debate, but it's the second debate because they canceled the third debate. That's right, 77-year-old Joe Biden versus 74-year-old Donald Trump. Who will lead us into the new world? We'll find out. Uh, Yeah, we got a debate tonight. Um, We'll see what happens. We're gonna get into that. It's gonna be interesting. They're changing around some of the rules. Uh, They just basically all make it up on the fly. Pretty much anything they can figure out to do to to help Biden, the Democrat, obviously, they do. In this case, they're changing up something related to muting microphones to stop interruptions. It's all just sort of silly tomfoolery and trickery. Uh, So we're gonna talk about that. And then a quick reminder, everybody, I will be live tonight right here in this very room uh, with tequila. I think we're gonna do it with tequila tonight. It seems like more of a tequila night. I've been doing the other uh, debates with whiskey, but I think we're gonna do a nice sipping tequila. Uh, So we'll be live at 7.30 Pacific, that's uh, 10.30 Eastern time, and uh, doing a live stream with the reaction, and we'll have some clips and all that good stuff. And then right after that, I'll be joining uh, Glenn Beck on The Blaze. So if you ain't sick of me, you will be by the end of the day. All right, so we're gonna talk about the debate, some, uh, some expectations, what I think is gonna happen, what I think each one of these guys needs to do today to accomplish. And, and again, it's all about just the people who still haven't made the decision. Those are the only people that really matter for a debate at this point. We've got a lot of people that know exactly what they're gonna do so they can go, oh, I'm cheering for my guy or I don't like that guy. But this really is just about can you move anybody else through a debate? I actually do think there are a certain amount, a decent amount, I would say, of people that still can be moved. But before we get to all that, I wanna talk to you about Second Thoughts, the game. I've got it right here in my hands, people. Second Thoughts is the quick thinking versus fast talking party game. Second Thoughts is this year's new favorite party game that is sure to be a hit with your friends and your family on game night. It has been a hit with my friends. I haven't seen my family because of COVID. We're working on that. The play of the game calls for each team to quickly create a list of words for their opponents to decipher, leading to hilarious bepuzzlement and laughter. Simply put, it's a classical word game with a unique twist that allows players to personalize the content with their voluminous sense of word smithery or just their witty and warped imaginations. Each round of second thoughts is a hilarious high-speed attempt to stump the other team. Both teams create a list of five things using the letters revealed from the colored dice. Be witty and wise, but don't take too long because time is not on your side. The amount of time it takes your team to create the list is exactly how much time your opponents get to guess them. Second thoughts, the quick thinking. First fast talking party game. I think I did pretty good there on the fast talking part. And uh, by the way, guys, the creators of Second Thoughts are fans of the show, so that is how you can show a little love to, to people who are putting some good stuff out into the universe. Okay, speaking of putting good stuff out to the universe, the debate is tonight. But before I get to the debate, I want to do one other thing. I realized that I've been doing this show for quite some time, about two months. I've been talking directly to you. And obviously, you're spending most of your days telling people how much you love Dave Rubin and how great he is and the direct message is amazing and the interviews are fantastic and he's got the funniest Twitter and all of those things. But despite all of that, I I never told you guys what my preferred pronouns are. So I don't even know how you're referring to me and I assume in in probably some 
offensive ways, ways that, are, that would be really upsetting if I heard them. So I want to just get my pronouns out, my preferred pronouns, so that when you tell people you love that Dave Rubin, you know exactly how to refer to me. So to be very clear, my preferred pronouns, he, him, Lord, Count, Master, Prime, General, Commander, and Zbornak. Those are my preferred pronouns. You can refer to me as any of those, and if you don't, I will report you to the proper authorities. Okay, guys, let's talk debate. It's tonight. As I said, it was supposed to be the third debate. It's only the second debate because they canceled the middle debate after Trump came down with corona, and although he was already healthy at that point, they were going to do it over Skype or over Zoom or over these electronic pipes that we do all this stuff through, but the Trump side didn't want to do it because they felt that would be giving Biden an unfair advantage because he could have somebody talking in the IFB, that's the, the earpiece, or he could be getting information off a, a teleprompter or have people with cue cards or anything else. So they backed out of it, which you could debate either way whether that was good or bad. I mean, Trump didn't have the greatest first debate, right? I mean, even, even his most ardent supporters, he was a little too jumpy, a little too combative. He also was debating two-on-one for sure. Chris, Chris Wallace obviously uh, is, is going Biden, uh, or at least leaning in that direction. And, and it seems like all these media people, every time they, they try to be impartial, they seem to secretly, although not so secretly, have to prove to all of their liberal friends that they're just not really a scary Republican, right? So they always end up going more against the Republican and conservative, and you know, I've said this many times, but that, in a weird way, is the essence of the Trump campaign, that for, for all time, or at least modern time, so let's say the last 50 years or so, uh, it's been the Republican, people think it's the Republican versus the Democrat, but really what it is, it's the Republican versus the Democrat and the media. And if you think about it, I mean, so think about it, you had Barack Obama and Barack Obama and the media versus John McCain, who we were told was a racist and a, you know, hated women and the same thing. It was Barack Obama and the media versus Mitt Romney and binders full of women and all of that stuff. Trump is the one who said, okay, I'll fight you guys and I'll basically take you out as the media. So in essence, what has to happen tonight, here, here's my, uh, my prediction. Oh, and by the way, I should say, we will be live immediately after debate, the debate. We might start a minute or two uh, before the debate ends, uh, because I know everybody's watching and then they suddenly figure out where are we gonna watch the post-game wrap-up? And then they're jumping around, we might start a minute or two early, but at 7.30 uh, Pacific time, we are here in crazy Los Angeles, uh, we will be going live right here on the YouTube, uh, and I'll be going for about 40 minutes or so, and then I'm gonna be jumping over and talking to Glenn Beck, uh, Glenn Beck on the blaze, uh, so you can catch the wrap-up. Oh, and I think, I have to think about it throughout the day, but I think, that I will be doing this with a little sipping tequila tonight. I've done the other debates, the first presidential one and the, the VP debate with, uh, with whiskey, which I have enjoyed and I think you guys have enjoyed watching me drink it, but I think we're gonna go with tequila tonight. Something about tonight, since it's the last one, it, it reads tequila to me, so I think it's gonna be a tequila, a tequila night. So anyway, make sure you're subscribed to our channel and you click that notification bell so that you can see the live stream later. And now allow me to uh, lay out a couple things about the debate. So first off, the debate moderator is Kristen Welker. And uh, from everything I can see, she's gonna be pretty nonpartisan, except for, and this is exactly what I was talking about a moment ago, her history. Well, I'll read it to you. She was previously registered to vote as a Democrat, but since 2016 has been registered in Washington, D.C. with no party affiliation. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. 
I, I've told you guys, me, here in California, I'm registered as a Democrat, not because I am a Democrat, but because I wanted to be able to vote in these past primaries so that I could vote against Bernie Sanders. So I actually voted for Joe Biden in the primaries because I thought that Bernie Sanders was the bigger threat. Now, the irony of that, of course, is that all of the horrific ideas of big government and taking whatever you want from the people and giving it to whoever else you want to give it to, that all is being imported through the Biden campaign. But uh, you know, it's, it's coming from the Bernie movement and it's being imported through Biden, right? And Biden's just the shell for the thing. Um, but, I, but I felt at least there would be this semblance of something sort of remotely close to an old Democrat if you got Biden. And I still think that is somewhat true, but, but barely true. I just thought Biden would be better than getting the full-on grotesque socialist lunacy of, of Bernie Sanders. And I think a lot of people did that. So, so the point of that, though, is that her party affiliation doesn't necessarily mean anything. She may have had her own considerations, but my guess is she probably is more of a Democrat than a Republican. So that's one thing to talk about. Uh, the topics for tonight are sort of interesting and, uh, and particularly interesting because they're leaving one out that we have not talked about at all. And I think Trump really needs to bring up one way or another tonight. The topics for tonight are gonna be COVID-19, obviously, American families, uh, not family guy, American families, race in America, because we don't talk about that enough, climate change, because apparently we can fix the climate. We Americans, we can do anything. Uh, national security and leadership. Now the one that's missing there, and the Trump campaign is not happy about this, is foreign policy. And this is, this is super interesting to me because none of the debates, the, the first presidential debate, nor the VP debate, had anything to do with foreign policy. Like it pretty much has not been touched. There's been a mention of Russia here or there. Uh, but, but pretty much nothing. And to me, this is a really bizarre one that, that the Trump people are letting slide because he's ending the war in Afghanistan, right? At this point, I think he said that all of our troops will be out by Christmas. Uh, there, might, you know, there might be a couple people left, but basically we're ending the longest war in American history. Did you know that? The Afghanistan war, which nobody is really clear why we went into in the first place and has now been going on since... Uh, what, since late 2001 or 2002? I mean, basically an 18-year war, the longest war in American history is about to come to a close. That is because of Donald Trump ending that war. Um, so that's number one. Number two, uh, you know, you guys know I'm old school, and I thought that one thing that everyone agreed on is that we want peace in the Middle East. That seemed to be a good thing, that we wanted Israel and the Arab countries to be at peace. Well. There were the Abraham Accords uh, about a month, what was that, two months ago now, and uh, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, uh, and, and Israel are now at peace. They have a piece of paper that says that they're at peace. This is a good thing. There are all sorts of rumors that other countries will get on board this and that the Gulf states, even if they haven't officially said it, that there's no reason to think that they're gonna be at war with Israel. There's trade already starting. I mean, this is, this is real stuff. This could reach Saudi Arabia. And it's, it's a complete flip, actually, on the way everyone viewed the Middle East, that you'd have to solve the Palestinian thing first, but actually it's being proven you can do it in another way. So that has a little something to do with Donald Trump. You would think he would want to talk about that. You would think he would want to talk about moving uh, the American embassy to Jerusalem, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that they're doing nothing on foreign policy here, the fact that he's got other countries actually paying more of their fair share on things. Uh, you might also want to talk about 
foreign policy because uh, we should probably talk about that China place, right? Or China, as he calls it. Um, so it's just very bizarre that we're going to go through two presidential debates, one vice presidential debate, and we ain't going to talk about foreign policy at all. So I, I hope that Trump throws in a little something there um, because I think that's, that's a win for him. It just, it just strikes me as a, as a total win. So that's, that's something there. Uh, but then here's the key to this thing. And this is where the rules are just changed. It seems like we have nothing anymore that is consistent. Like you could wake up any day and anything could be changed. Any rule in the past could be changed and anything else. Well, the debate commission has decided to adopt a new rule that they did not have a week ago, did not have two weeks ago or 20 years ago, uh, to mute microphones for this final event. So basically, when the question is asked to one of the candidates, they will have two minutes to respond and the other candidate is going to be muted for that. Now, clearly they're doing this to help Biden, right? Like the thought process, and I, I don't think it's gonna work, but the, the thought process obviously is, especially in the first debate, Trump was very jumpy and he kept interrupting. And by the way, Biden called him stupid and a racist and all of that stuff too. So they were both doing it, but Trump was very jumpy. And the idea, I think, by the commission is we've got to stop Trump from sort of taking over. So that, I think, was their intention. However, where does that road to hell come from? Where, what, what leads to it? Good intentions, right? They're, well, I don't think these were good intentions, but these were their good intentions. It, good intentions. I think, in essence, what's going to happen here is that Trump made a mistake, I think, in the last debate by continually interrupting Biden. Because every time he interrupted Biden, Biden was able to reset. And Biden seems to be able to respond if you directly go at him, he can sort of reset and respond. The idea that Biden, supposedly off the cuff, uh, supposedly without pre-written statements and not hearing anything or not on Adderall or whatever else, the idea that he can talk for two minutes uninterrupted and make sense, I think they're gonna regret this. It seems to me that that would be the, the scariest thing for him at this point, that this is, this is the thing that he really can't do. So I think they did it to help Biden, and I think they might find out that, that it's not gonna help Biden. But even putting that aside, I think the, the broader idea here is that these things are not really debates. You know, I said it a couple weeks ago, but what really would be better than, than have, even having a moderator, maybe you have a person there just to occasionally move it along, is basically say to the two of them, okay, we've got these five, six topics. You've got 15 minutes each to, to start talking about them. And, and back and forth, one can start, and you got, you know, you got like your two-minute opener, the other guy's got two minutes, and then, and then if that's four minutes, then you've got nine minutes of back and forth. And just let them do it. Just let them actually argue and exchange ideas perhaps the same way that you might when you're talking about politics with people. I think that's part of why the, the show, it feels like the show is sort of breaking down, doesn't it, right? Like we're at the end of when these debates are gonna make any sense. We're watching a 77-year-old and a 74-year-old argue in canned, prepackaged statements, and it's like you really can't get that much new information, which also is why I just think that this isn't about the winners and losers in that traditional sense that the media is gonna frame it tomorrow. And I assure you, the media really, really wants Biden to win. This was not a good week for Biden. First off, Biden has had a lid on the campaign since Monday morning. Now, it's Thursday today. That means he hasn't done anything public 
since then. Uh, Trump's been doing rallies, thousands of people out there. There's this whole Hunter Biden laptop story, which now uh, has been confirmed by the FBI that it is Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, the New York Post, by the way, which is the newspaper, it's one of the longest running newspapers in the, hi in the history of the United States. They have been locked out of their Twitter account, as of me taping this right now, for over six days because of putting the article out there. So this, this Hunter Biden story, it's not just about Hunter Biden, his connections to Ukraine, how the Biden family profited from it, and that Joe Biden obviously knew about it. In a, in a weird way, I'm, I'm sort of like, oh, they're, they're politicians, and they're, they're all kind of gross, and they, they all do this stuff, and how did Biden get his big mansion on his government salary, and like all of that kind of stuff. Like I expect them all to be corrupt. I, I expect every single politician to be corrupt and use connections and, and all of those things. And, and in a weird way, anyone with that much power, including you watching this, probably would do something similar. The idea that you could get through the system to get all the way up to be a, uh, a vice president is, is uh, you know, without being deeply corrupt is pretty crazy. But you know what? Before we do all that, guys, I wanna talk to you about Built Bar, okay? How is that for a transition? Are you guys looking for a new protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? Well, I've got just the brand for you. Guys, Built Bars are super tasty and come in 18 amazing flavors. My personal favorite is cookies and cream. I've got it right here, and it, ladies and gentlemen, is delicious. They're covered in 100% chocolate, including both nut and nut-free flavors, and are soft and easy to chew. With Halloween just around the corner, it's easy to slip up, which is why Built Bars are the perfect alternative to candy for the health-conscious guy. I can actually lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Ruben, people, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Use promo code Ruben for 20% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Good for bars, Built Go or Built Boost. And now back to me. Hello. Um, okay, so we can whittle all this down, I think, in effect to those people in the middle, right? It's the people in the middle, and, or you know what, let me get back to, I was on a little Biden tangent there, let me continue with that. This thing isn't about Hunter Biden and access and all of that. Now, there are legit issues there, and as I've been talking about in the DM for the last couple of days, there are plenty of mainstream people that are trying to pretend it's a hoax and all that. The same people who were pushing a Russian hoax are now telling you something that the FBI is saying is true uh, is, is a hoax because they don't like the direction it's going in. And, and that also goes back to this reality war that I've been talking about. It's like you pick a side, you see things when you want to see them, and you don't, think, you don't see things when, when you don't want to see them. So that, that's one part of this. But the idea that the New York Post has been locked out of Twitter for six days, the idea that Twitter was stopping links being, from, uh, being put up, and then get this one. I, you know, for those of you that are on Twitter, you, you're probably aware of this, but for those of you that aren't on Twitter and you're, you're happier people and you're better people, um, this is an important little, little tidbit that you should know about, even if you're not on Twitter, uh, which is that Twitter, just in the last like three days, they made it harder to retweet. So retweet, obviously, is when you just see something you like, you press the retweet button, and then it goes to all of your followers as well. So the way this always worked, or at least for the last couple of years with Twitter, was that you could just press a button and it would go, that would be a manual retweet, or you could do sort of like a contextual retweet and that you could press a button, you could add some commentary, and then also send out that message. Well, they decided just in the last couple days to get rid of the manual one, so in effect, you have to basically press it twice 
to send it out to your people without adding comment. I know this sort of sounds like insider nonsense and why am I even mentioning it and why is it important? Well, we know that big tech is manipulating us at every level, at every stage, consistently and constantly. So why is it that Twitter has worked one way for years and literally two weeks before an election, they make it harder or more confusing to send out a message, to amplify a message you believe in. So when I saw it on my phone the first time, I thought my phone was having a glitch or something because they also didn't even send out a message. I happened to see that Jack Dorsey on Twitter, the CEO, he sent out one message about it. But, but if you didn't see that and then you're going, wait a minute, I can't retweet the way I used to, you might not know that something's there. And the reason they're doing that is they don't want certain information to travel as fast as it can or it would with, with you know, 14 and now less days to an election. So I know that sounds like a little insider baseball stuff, but these things are important. So when you can't post certain links because Twitter decides that you can't, and you can't post certain things on your Facebook feed because Facebook decides you can't, and they're, they're telling us that it's all because of th the way things are sourced or what's true or we're gonna put a warning or the rest of it, it's like, you guys are obvious liars and we, we all see it and we all get it and in many ways, and I think this is what Trump should hit and hit it hard tonight. In many ways, this is what Trump is running against more than Biden. Biden, Biden in effect is nothing. Uh, it, like the Biden move, the idea that there's like a Biden movement or what does Joe Biden's Democratic st Party stand for? It stands for nothing. What it, what it is is the placeholder for the far left to come in right behind it. Even if you look at Biden's Twitter account now, it reads of just meaningless slogans that, that is very much what Bernie's Twitter account has felt like for the last couple of years. So they've completely infected that thing. So if you're voting for Biden, it's like you either don't know what you're voting for or you're not getting what you think you're voting for. With Trump, I think this thing, this idea that I'm running against the media, but now I'm also running against big tech, it's like, that's real. That, I just see that as real. And you may, again, you may not like Trump and he uses, he uses a sledgehammer when sometimes he could, he could just you know, push something in with his finger. Um, but that sounded weird when he pushes something in with his finger. He uses a sledgehammer instead of just you know tapping a nail, something like that. Um, you may not like that, but there's a reason. Like you could see what that reason is to vote for him, and that that brings me to something that I'll I think I'll probably close on for today because I've, I've been thinking this through. I've been sort of working this this theory through in my head over the last little bit, and I've wanted to kind of put it out there. So I want you guys to. You know, hopefully hear this and think about it for yourselves and let me know what you, thought, what you think about it. Uh, and as I always tell you, you can jump in at rubenreport.com if you want to engage with me directly. Oh, by the way, during the debate tonight, I will be live chatting at rubenreport.com and you can download our iOS or Google Play app if you want to jump into live chat with me. Um, but, but I will end on this thought. I've been thinking about something and, and it, it basically it goes like this, that Trump at this point, as crazy as it sounds, this orange hair-plugged man, this corrupt New York City businessman who's been around forever, who, who was in Home Alone 2 and used to be interviewed by David Letterman and had a reality show on NBC and now has been turned into a Nazi by the media. That in an odd way, I think, you can argue that he's not only saving conservatism, but he's saving liberalism. This is a really weird theory here, but, but hear me out on this. So how is he saving conservatism? Well, well, that's pretty obvious, right? Like with the judges that he's 
putting on board with the economic policy he has, with the foreign policy he has. I think most people would say he's governing more, in a more conservative way than he himself probably is, right? I don't think he's, act, he personally, Donald Trump, is probably as conservative as he's governing. So I think, I don't have to spend too much time on this. I think most of you understand that, that he is a modern conservative and that he's governing as a conservative. So, okay, that's how he's saving conservatism. And, and also, I should also say that in the face of critical race theory and social justice and everything else, he's fighting against that because he's trying to conserve some of the traditional American beliefs and patriotism and things of that nature. So that's, that makes him a conservative. I think that probably seems obvious to most people. But now, how is he saving liberalism? Well, liberalism, as you guys know, as I've talked about endlessly and, and wrote a book about and everything else, when I talk about the good remaining liberals, of, of which there are not that many anymore, liberalism in its classical sense, in its true sense, and when most people said they were liberals until the last couple years, what they meant was they're socially liberal, that you can do what you want, you can smoke what you want, marry what you want, blah, blah, blah. And then they meant some sort of fiscally conservative. That was sort of the old school, that was the blue dog Democrat, um, that was that was what most that's what Bill Clinton would have purported to be, uh, and most liberals were. That's very different than the modern progressive that wants the government to do everything. That is completely against free speech. Right? Liberals are supposed to be the ones for free speech. The ACLU, when it was a good organization, was a free speech organization. The ACLU is now is now a bunch of leftist hacks. Trump, in a bizarre sense, is saving liberalism because, as I've talked about many times, the liberals don't know how to save liberalism. Why are all the liberal institutions crumbling? Well, the liberals who said, ah, we're tolerant and decent, they let in all of these bad ideas to their institutions, to Harvard, to Yale, to, the, to big businesses and all the woke companies. They let all of these bad ideas in. And next thing you know, you've got racial quotas at schools and racial, quote, racial quotas uh, on, on company boards. And now in Bananas, California, you've got people wanting to put racial quotas on the amount of public officials that we can put in. These were, the, these were the bad ideas of the past that liberals used to fight against. Well, who's the one fighting against those things? It's not the liberals just sitting around talking about it, watching their houses burn. It's actually Donald Trump who's getting critical race theory out of, of the federal institutions, who's uh, who got Title IX out of the colleges. So I think you can make an argument that Trump is actually the one saving liberalism and saving conservatism. And I know it sounds bananas and crazy, and it's like, well, he, he's not a traditional liberal, and he's not a traditional conservative. And that sort of is why this whole thing is so weird. And I don't even sit here as a, as a MAGA hat wearing anything. I'm just, telling, I'm just telling you what I think. And I think I'm onto something there. And, and I'll just say one other thing, which is, if, if you basically are on board what I just said there, if, that, if any of that made sense to you, well then think of the other version of it. So what is Biden saving, right? Like what, what does Biden mean? Well, if your idea is that he's saving, you're voting for Biden, because I think a lot of people are doing this, they're voting for Biden because it reminds them of something before Trump, right? And I think there's a, there's a certain comfort in that, like, oh, maybe the world could go back to that. Well, the base and the media and the future of the Democrats, they hate the old world. They hate the Constitution, 1619 Project. They hate the founding of America, all of these things. They're making it very clear that the old ways were all wrong and run by racists and everything else. So that's why Biden, after 47 years of being in government, does, doesn't make sense at, at any level because it's like if, if the base is right and that everything has been so wrong, 
Well, then Biden was either part of it and didn't do anything of it, or he helped cause it. Um, so the idea that you're conserving something by voting for Biden, conserving just the way the world used to be, like that's not it. And then how is he also not saving liberalism? It's like, if you think Joe Biden, because I do think he's probably more of, at his best, he's more of an old school liberal. Um, then I don't think he's like one of these crazy progressives, but he also the other day said that, you know, when you're eight years old, you can decide to be transgender. I mean, the guy just doesn't know what he's talking about at this point. If you think that he can stand up to what the left is importing, you're just, you're just mistaken. So in many ways, a vote for Biden will be a vote to accelerate the destruction of, race, uh, of racism. Uh, uh, <laughs> you almost got me there, people. It will be a, a vote to accelerate the destruction of liberalism. And I just see it that way. I, I, I can't see it any other way, but I, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Anyway, guys, I got a long day of, of interviews and, and doing other people's shows and a whole bunch of other stuff. Debate tonight, we're gonna be having pizza, I think. Oh no, we're doing wings tonight. It is wing night at the Rubin Report, so I'll have some wing sauce all over my face, a little tequila for you at 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. I'll see you then, and then Glenn Beck after that. And then, you know, we'll see if the world's still here tomorrow. I have a feeling it will be, but we'll find out.